Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 100 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick, and can't go a second farther here without thanking each and every one of you guys for tuning into this show over the past 100 episodes. You know, we started this podcast just a couple of games into the season. I think the Rangers had played two or three games when we did our first episode, and time has just flown by since then. I think part of the reason is that the Rangers are actually having a pretty nice season. I know they're on the outside of the playoff picture looking in right now, but for all intents and purposes, they've overachieved, or really not even overachieved. I think in a lot of ways, they've kind of just arrived ahead of schedule because you're certainly aware of the youth on this team. You're aware of the talent. You're aware of the upside that a lot of these guys have, but now we're, we're seeing the fruits of the Rangers' labor as it pertains to this rebuild, this massive rebuild that they undertook about two years ago, three years ago, and it's really come together nicely. And the Rangers, again, they have a young, exciting team. And obviously, we've had to put the season on pause here because of the coronavirus. And I'm going to do my best not to talk too much about the coronavirus today. I shared my thoughts with that in yesterday's episode, episode 99, because I think a lot of the times when people tune into a sports podcast, they're, they're looking to get away. And obviously, coronavirus has kind of dominated the news, and understandably so. But yeah, I think when people... Tune into a sports podcast that they're looking for a break from all that, so I'm going to do my best to give that to you guys today, especially since this is our 100th episode, and we want to have a little bit of fun here. I want to take a couple of your guys' questions with our first ever mailbag, and this episode is actually going to stretch into a two-parter. There's no way I'm going to get through all these in one episode, so obviously, part one is going to be today, and part two will likely be tomorrow. There's a chance I could push it back a little bit farther into the week, but yeah, I think today, obviously, part one, tomorrow, part two, and once again, thanks to all you guys who reached out and asked me a question. And if you don't hear your question in today's episode, rest assured it will be in part two. But yeah, once again, whether this is your first time listening to Locked On New York Rangers or whether you've caught all 100 episodes or anything in between, thank you so much for tuning in. It really does mean a lot to me. And it's been really cool to just kind of go through the season with you guys, watch some New York Ranger hockey, have a little bit of fun on here, and just see this team consistently improve as the season has progressed. And just enjoy some New York Rangers hockey because I think this is clearly a team and a franchise that is moving in the right direction. And hopefully at some point, you know, fingers crossed that we can resume the season here and maybe the Rangers can make a run into the playoffs. We talked a little bit in yesterday's episode as well about the proposal of a 24-team postseason tournament, which for one season, hey, I'm cool with it. That that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. And, you know, it, it is a little weird letting 24 out of 31 teams into the playoffs, but I think Given the circumstances and what this league is up against, a 2014 postseason tournament would be just fine, and it would be obviously beneficial to the Rangers because they would make the playoffs. Again, given the current circumstances and everything that's happened, if you need to kind of forego most of the rest of the regular season and roll with a 2014 postseason tournament, then by all means do just that. But just keep it as a one-year thing. I think next year, you know, with everything going back to normal, it'd be best to knock it back down to 16. I don't think you'd do a 2014 postseason tournament every single season. But with all that, let's go ahead and get right into the mailbag here. I got a couple of questions about Capo Caco, and so let's go ahead and start with one of those right here. 
Eli Yahoo Stein, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, writes, Hi, John. Why has David Quinn not put Capo Caco on the second line with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin? Caco is a much better offensive player than Foss with way more skill and upside. If putting Caco with Panarin doesn't spark him, then nothing will. He might even elevate the numbers of that line, and the Rangers have nothing to gain with him in the bottom six. It might even spark the rest of the team to get better. Overall, I think Quinn is good, but this I don't understand. Yeah, that's a great question, and I think that there's probably a few reasons why Quinn has not pulled the trigger on this move as far as moving Capo Caco up to the second line, dropping Jesper Foss down to the third line. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate and kind of present the case against doing this, but then I'm also going to take a look at the reasons why moving Caco up to the second line could make some sense, because you could definitely make a case either way here, and I think the best thing to do is just to take a look at it from both sides. So yes, Obviously, moving Capo Caco up to the second line with Panarin and Strom would give Caco a little bit of a boost and probably uh, increase his offensive production. He'd have more points, he'd have more goals, he'd have more assists, all that good stuff. But I think one of the main reasons why Quinn has not done this is because the Rangers' second line has been incredible, and it could just be one of those cases where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And yes, I, I totally agree with you. Capo Caco obviously has a lot more upside than Jesper Foss does. I mean, Foss is a, a nice player. He's he's a great complimentary piece on any team in this NHL, but he's not really a prototypical top six forward. He's just not going to produce the kind of points that you would expect from a top six forward. So I get where you're coming from. But once again, take a look at this second line for the Rangers. I mean, you've got Panarin, who is firmly in the MVP race. For my money, if the Rangers make the playoffs, Artemi Panarin is your MVP. I've talked about that in the past. You've got Ryan Strom, who's having a career best season. He's already got 59 points. His previous career high was 50 points back in 2014-2015. So you've got a guy in the MVP race. You've got a guy who has smashed his career high in points. And even Foss has 29 points. And I realize that's not a whole lot, but Foss' previous career high was 33 points back in 2017. 2018. And of course, with Foss, it's not really about the numbers. It's about going out there and just grinding out every shift and playing every shift like it's your last. And I think Jesper Foss does a great job with that. And the other thing here is that with Foss, I don't think he's really done anything to warrant a demotion. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's given you exactly what you would expect. Another reason that I think maybe Quinn and the Rangers have held off on making this this swap is because scoring hasn't really been that much of a problem for the Rangers this season. And, you know, you look at the depth chart and it can sometimes feel a little bit underwhelming, but the Rangers right now are fifth in the league at 3.33 goals per game. So even though it may help Kako offensively to move him up to the second line, Quinn may not be willing to sacrifice Jesper Foss defense on the second line. And it might be different right now if the Rangers were, you know, a bottom 10 or a bottom five team as far as goals per game goes. In that case, they might move Kako up trying to, you know, get these lines going and get some goals being scored. But Right now, again, scoring is not really that much of an issue. So I think Quinn and the Rangers, they really just kind of like Jesper Foss as kind of a complimentary piece to guys like Panarin and Ryan Strom. Now, to be fair, Capo Caco did get some run as a top six forward early in the season, but it has been quite some time since he has been on the top six, and he's mostly been entrenched as a third-line player. He was even down to the fourth line not that long ago. And Jesper Foss, you know, he's 28 years old, and to your point, he has probably peaked as an NHL player, especially when it comes to scoring prowess. And so if you want to go ahead and throw Kako into the deep end and kind of just say sink or swim and give him three or five or seven games on the second line, then I'm not going to argue with you. You know, it's something that could certainly get Kako going a little bit. I do know that Coach Quinn 
wants Kako to be a little bit better defensively, and maybe that's why Foss continues to be the guy on the second line because he's a much better defensive forward than Capo Kako, at least right now. But you know what? Hey, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of trial by fire, and that's what the Rangers would be going with if they threw Kako onto the second line in the middle of a playoff chase. But that could also be part of the reason why this swap has not happened yet, because Foss has experience. He's nine years older than Capo Kako. He does some of the little things better. He wins board battles for loose pucks. He gets in deep on the forecheck. He's physical. And in a nutshell, he's just used to playing NHL hockey, and Capo Kako is still kind of getting his feet wet with the Rangers. And so I think... Despite Foss not having a ton of offensive upside, to your point once again, Foss is a guy who has earned a lot of trust with the coaching staff. He's been on the Rangers for a long time. He is, I believe, now the fourth longest tenured Ranger. And again, it's just a case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And right now that is clearly the case with the second line because they have just been unbelievable this season. And so that might just be a reason why they end up sticking with the current trio on the second line. And one other stat I got to take a look at here, and again, I'm not the biggest plus-minus guy in the world. I don't really talk about that stat a whole lot on here, but when there's this big of a difference, I think it bears mentioning. Jesper Foss right now is a plus-20. Kako is a minus-26. And again, I realize there are a lot of things that can skew your plus-minus, and that certainly includes who you're sharing the ice with, but that's a 46-goal difference between Foss and Kako. And to me, that's just that's difficult to ignore, and I think right now the Rangers are just comfortable... Uh, continuing to roll with Jesper Foss. It just seems like right now, good things happen when he's on the ice. And again, I think they like him as kind of a complimentary piece to Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom. They, they like the fact that he's kind of a defensive forward. And right now, you know, that line doesn't really need the help. Kako could use the help because Kako, you know, he's, he struggled to score goals. But, you know, there is some time left in the season, and I would not be at all surprised if at some point we do see Capo Caco. Now, I know none of us want to see the Rangers fall out of the playoff chase, but if that does happen, I would be shocked if the Rangers don't move Capo Caco into the second line. Let's take another question here. Jason C., he writes, There is a crazy scenario around the draft pick that the Rangers got from Carolina for Brady Shea that would somehow turn into a lottery pick. Basically, the Hurricanes have two draft picks, and the Rangers are guaranteed the lower of the two. However, there is some scenario involving Carolina missing the playoffs and something else with Toronto that could actually turn the Rangers' new first-rounder into a potential lottery winner. What is going on with the semantics of this first-round pick, and is it possible for the Rangers to win the lottery with it? Hope that's not too loaded of a question. Yeah, no, it's all good, Jason. It it took me some time to kind of understand this one myself, and I'm going to explain it as best as I can here. Like you said, to your point, the Hurricanes have two first-round picks in 2020. They have their own first-round pick, and they have Toronto's first-round pick, which they previously acquired in a deal for Patrick Marlowe. Now, the Rangers sent Brady Shea to Carolina in exchange for a first-round pick, but the Hurricanes get to choose which of those two first-round picks the Rangers receive. And obviously, what the Hurricanes will do is they will give the Rangers the later of those two picks and keep the earlier one for themselves. However, the Toronto first-round pick in 2020 moves to 2021 if the Leafs pick in the top 10 in this year's draft. And once again, the Brady Shea trade dictates that the Rangers will receive the later of the two 2020 picks. So if Toronto finishes in the lottery, then the Rangers would get Carolina's pick. But if Toronto finishes with the better record, then the Rangers get Toronto's pick. So again, it's whichever one happens second. So the only way that this becomes a lottery pick is if both of those two teams, the Hurricanes and the Maple Leafs, just absolutely bomb the rest of the season. So I suppose if you're a Rangers fan and if you're listening to this podcast, I can only assume that you are. 
we should all basically be rooting for both the Hurricanes and the Maple Leafs to just lose and lose and lose and lose and lose down the stretch this season for two reasons. First of all, that would increase the Rangers' chances of making the playoffs because they're right in the mix with teams like the Maple Leafs and the Hurricanes, and both those teams are ahead of the Rangers right now. But the other reason is the farther that Toronto and Carolina slip down the standings, the better of a draft pick the Rangers would get. But as far as the Rangers actually winning the lottery, that almost can't happen. I mean, in theory, it's technically possible, but basically both the Leafs and Canes would have to just do nothing but lose down the stretch this season. And there's basically zero chance that either of those teams, much less both of them, are going to fall into the bottom five of the NHL standings, which is what it would take for the Rangers to have a shot at winning the lottery. So no, unfortunately, I don't think the Rangers have any chance here as far as winning the lottery is concerned. But once again, you know, it behooves Ranger fans to obviously root against both of these teams because the farther they fall down the standings, the better of a chance the Rangers have of getting a high draft pick. So again, you know, I, I know that that was a lot to digest there. That's the best I can explain it. But yeah, again, thanks for the question. It was a great question, uh, you know, and just trying to figure out how this is all going to work next season. But in a nutshell, the best thing Ranger fans can do is root against Toronto and root against Carolina. Got a question here from George Wreckage. George is a friend of mine. Haven't seen him in a while, but he is as big of a Ranger fan as you will ever meet. We've had a lot of Ranger discussions over the years, and he does tune into the show from time to time. So big thanks to George for reaching out here and asking this question. George writes, with the signing of Keandre Miller, whose spot will be given up from the back end, and what deep pairing do you see him initially slotted into, assuming NHL resumes and current roster is intact? Yeah, that's a great question, and I'm glad you brought this up because it's something I wanted to talk about anyway. Keandre Miller signed an entry-level contract with the Rangers. His contract will begin at the start of the 2020-2021 season. He has been playing at the collegiate level at the University of Wisconsin, and so far this season he had seven goals. 18 points in 36 games with the Badgers. And again, for anyone who needs a little bit of a refresher course, I think a lot of people listening probably know about Keandre Miller, but for anyone who doesn't, he was taken in the first round of the 2018 NHL draft, going number 22 overall to the Rangers. Miller's collegiate season ended when Wisconsin was eliminated from the Big Ten tournament, and so that kind of freed him up to join the Rangers and sign this contract. I know that there was also some talk about Miller potentially joining the Hartford Wolfpack for their playoff run, and I think that would have been an awesome idea. It could have sort of served as a bridge between playing college hockey and eventually playing in the NHL, and not even to mention the fact that Miller is the type of player that could potentially help the Wolfpack in their playoff run. Who knows, maybe they end up with an AHL championship and Miller is a huge part of that. But obviously, that's all up in the air right now due to the coronavirus. We're not sure if we're even going to get hockey again this year. But yeah, getting back to George's question here, whose spot will be given up to make room for Keandre Miller? And I think we can kind of do this by process of elimination here. You look at the current six defensemen on the Rangers who are in the lineup every night. You've got your top pairing of Brennan Smith and Jacob Truba, you've got Mark Stahl and Tony D'Angelo, and you've got Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox, which is kind of ironic because I think Lindgren and Fox have clearly been the best pairing, but technically they're the third pairing right now. And if we're going to do this by process of elimination, you know that Jacob Truba is going to be out there. You know Tony D'Angelo is going to be out there. You know that Ryan Lindgren is going to be out there. You know that Adam Fox is going to be out there. And so that just leaves you with Brendan Smith and Mark Stahl. They are both left defensemen, as is Keandre Miller. They all have lefty shots. And so I think what might eventually happen here is Keandre Miller takes over for Brendan Smith, and then maybe you can move Brendan Smith back to forward and put him back on the fourth line. 
Again, I've been very complimentary of Brennan Smith for being willing to change positions and help the team out this season. And then obviously the trade of Brady Shea opened up a spot at defense for Brennan Smith to move back to his natural position and a position where he can actually give you some value. Putting Brendan Smith on the fourth line, you're not going to get a whole lot out of him. Yes, he does play physical, but he's not a forward. He's a defenseman. But I think if you want to make room for Ke'Andre Miller, that might be the best way to do it and the best way for the Rangers to keep all these guys in the lineup. If you don't want to move Brendan Smith back to forward, then maybe you scratch Brendan Smith on a lot of nights. He's been a healthy scratch at times this season, and you put... Keandre Miller out there with Jacob Truba. Jacob Truba's kind of had a little bit of a revolving door anyway as far as who plays with him on the blue line. He's had probably more partners than anybody this season. I think there was a time where even Liber Hayek got a little bit of time with Jacob Truba, and certainly Brady Shea played with Jacob Truba, and now Brandon Smith playing with Jacob Truba. So that's kind of, I think, where it would make the most sense to slot in Keandre Miller right now. Obviously, Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox, I love the two of them together. I wouldn't touch that pairing. I would leave them together for the next decade on the Ranger blue line. But yeah, I think the options really, it comes down to either Brennan Smith or Mark Stahl. One of those guys is going to have to move out of the way for Keandre Miller at some point. And certainly if you call Keandre Miller up to the Rangers, you're not going to have him be a healthy scratch. You're going to want this kid to play hockey. He's just 20 years old. You want him on the ice. And so, yeah, I mean, somebody's going to have to move. And again, you could move Brennan Smith back to forward and then take somebody like Greg McKaig or Stephen Fogarty out of the lineup. That would allow you to keep all of the current six Ranger defensemen in the lineup and also make room for Keandre Miller. So kind of a way that the Rangers could have their cake and eat it too. But if you want to just take either Stahl or Brennan Smith out of the lineup, you could kind of alternate Smith and Stahl between being healthy scratches. But in a scenario where Keandre Miller indeed joins the Rangers, I think it's a situation where it can be fluid and the Rangers can get creative here. And they can kind of have a little bit of a revolving door as far as who is the healthy scratch on any given night. At times, you could slot in Keandre Miller for Mark Stahl. At times, you could slot in Keandre Miller for Brennan Smith. And the other option, again, is you move Brennan Smith back to forward and you take somebody like Greg McKaig out of the lineup or Stephen Fogarty. It could get tricky once everybody is healthy because Chris Kreider, Philip Heal, each sidelined right now. If everybody's healthy, then Stephen Fogarty is going to be nowhere near the starting lineup anyway. And Greg McKaig might be the odd man out as well. He might be a healthy scratch. But as far as if I got to just pick one guy to come out of the lineup in exchange for having Keandre Miller in the lineup, then I think I got to make it Brendan Smith because with Smith, I just think in no way, shape, or form does he factor into the Rangers' long-term plans. He is a free agent after next season, as is Mark Stahl. So, I mean, you could really make a case for one guy or the other, but I think with Stahl, I mean, he's one of the longest tenured Rangers that they have. I think they value his leadership, and he is an alternate captain, and I don't think they want to do wrong by Mark Stahl toward the end of his Ranger tenure by pulling him out of the lineup. Again, I don't think Mark Stahl is by any means a superstar, but I, I do think that you know the Rangers value having at least a couple of veterans in the lineup, and Brendan Smith and Mark Stahl each qualify as veterans, but Mark Stahl has been with the Rangers forever, so I think if it comes right down to it, you're getting about equal play out of both guys, and I think that they would have Stahl stay in the lineup and take Brendan Smith out of the lineup. So if I got to pick just one guy to come out of the lineup and make room for Keandre Miller, it's going to be Brendan Smith, but I think maybe the more likely scenario here is that they kind of do a little bit of a revolving door here, and they just kind of get creative. You know, one night, maybe Mark Stahl's out of the lineup. One night, maybe it's Brendan Smith. Every once in a blue moon, maybe Keandre Miller himself is the healthy scratch, and then there could be times where all three guys are in the lineup, and you, again, move Brennan Smith back to a fourth-line forward role, and I think that works. I think that's the best way to do it, just kind of have a little bit of a revolving door rather than have someone as a healthy scratch night in and night out for 10, 12, 15, 20 games at a time. My mom writes in with a question. 
Have you expected more out of Capo than what he's given? Seems lost at times and can't seem to finish. Also, seems to get knocked off the puck a lot. Thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question, Mom. And yes, I have seen all of those things happen this season. And to build off of the points that you made, it kind of seems like at times he's just a little bit too indecisive with the puck. And he just can't decide whether he wants to shoot or pass or carry the puck behind the net or play the puck around the boards or whatever it might be. And then by the time he makes a decision... The passing lane closes, or the shot gets blocked, or somebody's all over him, and the opportunity is lost. But I wouldn't panic here. I think these are all just signs of being young and signs of adapting to the NHL level. And I think this indecisiveness might come from a place of having more time to make decisions in other leagues that he's played in. Because the NHL is just played at a blinding speed, and I think when you're adapting to it, it can kind of make your head spin a little bit. I mean, obviously, I can't speak. I've never played in the NHL. But yeah, I mean, you get the idea. The speed of the NHL is unlike any other league in the world. And Kako, again, he was 18 years old when the season started. He's just 19 years old now. The other thing with Capo Kako that I think a lot of people forget about sometimes is he has played a lot of hockey over the past year. So if you look at 2018, 2019, Kako played internationally with various teams from Finland. He skated in over 103 games during 2018-2019. He played 50 games in Liga, aka the Finnish Elite League, and 53 games with other Finland teams, including the World Junior Championships, which are high-intensity hockey games, the International Juniors, the World Championships. He's basically just been bouncing from one league to another over the past year, and all of this basically ran right into the NHL season with not a lot of time to rest in between for Capo Kako. So I got to believe... He might just be fatigued. You know, he, he's just been doing nothing but playing hockey for a calendar year. And I think that after this season ends, he's going to finally get some time to rest up. And I think that's going to do a, a world of good for Capo Caco and that he will come back next season stronger and looking like the player who the Rangers thought they were drafting second overall this past season. And I think, as we were talking about earlier, that spot on the second line that currently belongs to Jesper Fast, that might go to Capo Caco next year. And if for no other reason than completely by accident, if you're on a line with Artemi Panarin, your scoring totals are going to increase. Look at Ryan Strom this year, and really even look at Jesper Foss himself this year. Jesper Foss probably going to set a new career high in points, modest though they may be, and Ryan Strom having the best season of his life, all, or at least mostly, by way of playing with Artemi Panarin. And I think Capo Caco is going to benefit from that next season. To me, the second line right wing spot looks like it's Capo Caco's to claim next season. I will be very surprised if he doesn't get a chance, maybe even this season, but certainly next season, to play on the second line with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Stroman. I think that's going to do wonders for him. You'll see him take a big step forward next season. And let's also remember, you know, what he's doing right now isn't easy because he comes to the United States as an 18-year-old. He doesn't really know anyone. His English isn't the best, and he's playing in the most competitive hockey league in the world, and there's going to be an adjustment period to all that, not to mention it's New York City, so he's under the bright lights of New York, and I think you got to give credit to Ranger fans here as well. They've been patient with him. They haven't turned on him. I mean, you do go on social media, and there's always going to be that small contingent that's like, oh, Kako, he's a bust, this and that. It's like, okay, relax. He's, he's just, you know, a couple dozen games into his NHL career. So, yeah, you know, I, I think Kako, I, I would not panic here. I think all the things, Mom, that you said were, were very true. There are times where I've seen him get knocked off the puck. There's certainly times where he's indecisive. And, yes, he is 66 games into his NHL career. And at this point, I certainly thought he would have more than 23 points. I don't think I'm alone there. But for all the reasons I just mentioned, I think we should give Kako time. 
I think having an actual offseason and a chance to rest up a little bit is going to do wonders for Kako. And again, I think it's just a matter of time before we see why the Rangers made him the number two overall pick in the draft. And again, I think that second line right wing spot is Kako is for the taking next year. He's going to have to earn it. You know, David Quinn's not just going to give it to him. But I think if Kako has a strong training camp, has a strong preseason, and starts the season off well next season, then yeah, I, I think Kako is going to be the guy on the right wing going forward. And again, I'm not trying to push Jesper Foss out the door here. I like Jesper Foss. I think a lot of Ranger fans really like Jesper Foss. But the writing does appear to be on the wall here at least a little bit. Again, you can't keep everybody. And I think Jesper Foss, 28 years old, not ancient, but he's a guy who's kind of peaked as an NHL player. And it would not surprise me at all if the Rangers let him walk in free agency next season. But you never know. Maybe he's back with a team-friendly deal. But either way, I, I do think eventually Kako, you will see him playing with Panarin and Ryan Strom on that second line. All right, let's do one more question for today, and then we will continue this mailbag in part two. This has really been a lot of fun. We're going to have to do this again in the future, but to wrap things up today, let's go to Dan Scaturo, who writes, When I looked at the Rangers headed into the season, I saw a young, rebuilding team similar to last season. However, this team really built chemistry after the All-Star game and got themselves into the playoff picture. The Rangers are playing this season with house money and have built a group that helps create a winning culture. As a fan, this season was above expectations. Sometimes I think Rangers fans forget this team is young and experienced and doesn't have all the pieces yet. Question, why doesn't Coach Quinn play Gautier more? Great speed goes to the net with a scoring mentality. Thanks for the best Locked On podcast going today. Well, first of all, Dan, thanks so much. That is that is high praise. There are a lot of amazing Locked On podcasts out there, and I encourage you guys to check all of them out. You could try Locked On NHL. You could try Locked On NHL Fantasy if you're into fantasy leagues. There's other sports. There's other great New York podcast. I got into this. You know, I'm a 49er fan. I got into this by listening to Locked on 49ers, and Brian Peacock just does an absolutely fantastic job there. But yeah, thanks for saying that. Those are obviously very kind words. And it's a great question. And yes, Julian Gauthier has not gotten a lot of playing time. And just for some context here, he's averaging only eight minutes and 39 seconds through his first dozen games with the Rangers. He has no goals and two assists in that time, and he's played almost exclusively on the fourth line. And for anyone who's been listening to this podcast in the recent episodes, really ever since the Rangers traded for Julian Gauthier, you guys know that I am definitely a fan of Gauthier. The Rangers, of course, sent defenseman Joey Keane to the Hurricanes in exchange for Gauthier. It's a classic case of dealing from a position of strength to address a position of weakness, really for both teams. I mean, you could argue that the Hurricanes really did the same thing there. And Gauthier, he's a big dude, you know, six foot seven, 227 pounds, a former first-round pick of the Canes in 2016, going number 21 overall. And I'm with you, Dan. You know, I would really like to see Gauthier get some more playing time. As far as why Coach Quinn has not made this happen yet, I think it's a combination of things. And first and foremost, he just wants to see Gautier kind of earn his stripes, so to speak. He's just 22 years old. He's played just 17 career NHL games. And so I don't think Quinn wanted to bring him in via trade and just immediately throw him out there as a top six forward. And that doesn't mean he can't eventually become a top six forward on the Rangers. He very well may. But the Rangers, when they acquired Gautier, they were playing some great hockey. And I don't think that Quinn was looking to reinvent the wheel and get too cute there and immediately throw Gautier out there with, say, Panarin and Strom. And the other thing to consider here is that there's a little bit of a logjam going on at right wing. And, you know, a lot of us, maybe we want to see Gautier get some more playing time. Maybe we want him moved up, you know, to the top six or maybe at least the top nine. But then you look at the right wing for the Rangers, and from the top line to the fourth line, you've got Pavel Buchnevich, Jesper Foss, Capo Caco, and Julian Gauthier. So the issue there is, if you move Gauthier up and you get him more playing time by taking him off of the fourth line, then who are you moving down? 
And we've already talked about Capo Caco earlier in this episode, and you know a lot of us want to see Capo Caco get some more playing time. And it just becomes difficult to, to manage all of this here. Buchnevich and Jesper Foss have both had solid seasons, so moving them down doesn't really make a ton of sense. Now, if you do get desperate for scoring and the Rangers go through a scoring drought, then maybe it makes more sense to move Gauthier up. And I'd be interested to know if Julian Gauthier could potentially play the left wing because, you know, we've only seen him as a right winger so far. And if you look at the depth chart and you look at left wing versus right wing, the Rangers clearly are not as deep at left wing as they are at right wing. And that is especially true with Chris Kreider currently out of the lineup because right now you've got at left wing, you've got Philip DiGiuseppe. This is going from the top line down to the to the fourth line. You've got Philip DiGiuseppe, Artemi Panarin, Brennan Lemieux, and Stephen Fogarty. And so, really, the only superstar there is Artemi Panarin. I would be interested to know if Julian Gauthier can play the left wing. And if he can, maybe even give him some run on the left wing. And it's nothing against Philip DiGiuseppe, but DiGiuseppe has kind of become a journeyman. I think, overall, he's played fairly well for the Rangers. But, yeah, man, I, I would love to see Julian Gauthier get a little bit of run out there with Mika Zibanejad and Pavel Buchnevich on the top line. And let's see what the kid can do. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that you need to be overly committed to keeping Philip Giuseppe on the top line. And again, it's nothing against him. It's just that I think there's far more upside with Julian Gauthier. And to your point, Dan, I really like Gauthier's blend of size and speed. It's always a fun, unique combination whenever you've got a guy who's got both of those things. And when the Rangers traded for Gauthier, I kind of got nervous. And I, I like the trade and I like Gauthier, but I thought that maybe he was being brought in to sort of replace Chris Kreider because there was obviously a lot of talk with Chris Kreider. Is he going to be traded or is he going to stay? I thought when they got Gauthier, they did it kind of with the intention of him replacing Chris Kreider eventually because they kind of have a similar skill set, and I just thought that maybe Gauthier might eventually slot in for Chris Kreider, sort of become the new Chris Kreider, the younger Chris Kreider, and the guy that would replace him going forward. But obviously Kreider stays, and now you've got Gauthier as well. And yeah, eventually I, I definitely... Hope that the Rangers can make room for Gautier as, you know, at least a top nine forward, if not a top six forward, because I really like him. And, you know, we've seen little flashes. He hasn't played a whole lot, but we have seen little flashes where, you know, in his Ranger debut against the Blackhawks, there was a play where he basically just exploded up the wing. And the Chicago defenseman, I don't remember who it was, but he basically just had to grab Gautier on his way by because Gautier was going to go right to the net. And I don't think the Chicago defenseman knew what he was up against, didn't know the kind of speed that Gautier possesses. But yeah, Dan, I mean, I'm with you. I really hope that the Rangers can find a way to get Gautier some more playing time going forward. But yeah, that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, thank you all for sending questions, those of you who did send questions, and for anyone listening to this episode, whether this is your first time listening to Locked on New York Rangers or whether you've caught all 100 episodes or anything in between, big, big thank you to you guys. It really does mean a lot. It's been cool to kind of see this podcast slowly but surely grow as the season has continued here. And obviously, we've had a lot of fun watching some Ranger hockey. And let's just keep our fingers crossed that this coronavirus passes and that we can go back to having fun and watching some New York Ranger hockey. And once again, everybody, please stay safe out there. Please stay smart. And yeah, you know, just hang in there and we'll all get through this together. And once again, if you want to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And absolutely give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. That wraps up this edition of Locked On New York Rangers. Once again, thank you for joining us for our 100th episode. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. Have a great day. See you guys tomorrow.